The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in Bears fans. This is Mason along with Danny and this is Bear Bones. Uh, we are back. Danny is back from his mini sabbatical that he had, you know, last episode. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, I, sh- I shouldn't be allowed to take naps in the middle of the day. <laughs> I mean, your, the problem is you put on the White Men Can't Jump remake and expect it to last the entire time. You know what? I actually didn't mind the movie, though. Like, I fell asleep with, like, I think 20 minutes left in it, 15 minutes left in it. it I took it for what it was. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be, like, the same category or caliber of what the original White Man Can't Jump is. You know, like I, I know it was getting a lot of hate and like Rotten Tomatoes and on the timeline and whatever. Like, oh, this movie is trash. Like, what did you expect it to be? Like, and that's the thing. I kind of liked it actually. Like, in that thought process for what it was. Like, it wasn't a direct remake, which every, people are going to trash, right? They're going to say like it was basically shot for shot. They also didn't go so far off that it's like this isn't even the same movie. Why did you call it White White Men Can Jump? I thought they hit the middle, made it an entertaining movie, and that's all I can really ask. Yeah, and I was entertained by it. I just happened to be tired from work the night before. (laughs) Uh, But first things first, we're actually going to do our our ad read for one of our biggest sponsors, My Mighty Meals. Uh, Owner and founder Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating that most meal prep services are missing. I personally have been using his services for almost three years now and haven't looked back. My Mighty Meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home and work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them, as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro-friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are between 5 and 750. The meals rotate each week, so I personally never get bored. A couple examples. Denver tater tot scramble, pineapple teriyaki burger, loaded mashed potato, barbecue pork with sweet potatoes and coleslaw. Do you need something a little more specific or have dietary restrictions? You can customize your order for just a little bit more. For example, it's about the rice or maybe cauliflower rice. One of my favorite parts is that there isn't a subscription, so you don't get stuck with meals you don't need. Skip a week, a month, whatever you need before you get back on that horse. You can find him on Instagram at MyMightyMeals and use the code GRIDIRON25 for 25% off your first order at MyMightyMeals.com. Sounds delicious. Honestly, it is, and it makes my life so much easier. The fact that I get my meals delivered on Tuesday, usually afternoon. I get enough for at least lunches, maybe a couple dinners in the week, throw it in the microwave, and honestly, they're super good, too. So It's, it's perfect awesome. for the adult on the go. And so, actually, our 
first kind of intro to this. So the general gist of what we're doing here, just a little more fun, a little more chill. Uh, we're going to throw a couple of players. Danny and I are going to have three each into a couple categories for the upcoming season, kind of like expectations, hopes, etc., things of that nature. Nothing too crazy, just uh, trying to kind of set some expectations for the year. So the first one that we're going to have are Pro Bowl hopefuls. Basically people that on this team could potentially be a Pro Bowl consider. Let's be real, though. We shouldn't expect too much, but so don't kill us in the comments about like how the Bears are going to have nobody. But basically someone that we think could potentially make the Pro Yeah, there's going to be one for every category, so strap in. Okay. Uh, and it's important for our listeners to realize we are not allowed to repeat. So if Mason says someone, I can't repeat it. It's, it's supposed to give you diversity of thought is really the idea behind this exercise. Yeah, exactly. So Danny, why don't you lead us off? Because I'm pretty sure who you're going to know who you're going to start with. I'm going to start with Justin Fields. Yeah. It's 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 your easiest one. The, the quarterback position in the NFC is trash, for lack of a better term. I mean, it's Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and then the, the interchangeable parts, right? And Justin Fields just accomplished something only, I believe, two or three other quarterbacks in the history of the league accomplished last year, which I also want to preface this by saying you don't want him to ever approach that many rushing yards ever again in an ideal world. But Justin Fields would be the first one, and if he does, that means the Bears should clear their over. I believe their Vegas line is set at 7.5 right now. They should clear that over by a game or two. Simple as that. Uh, and, I mean, what, the Bears led the league in scoring for, you know, during that kind of middle chunk of the season. Yeah, it was like a, there was a four or five-week stretch. They were the leading scoring offense in the NFL. And this is the easy connection. I don't want to go too far on it because for obvious reasons, but, you know, go to Lamar Jackson, even MVP season. It's not like he blew them away with his passing. He did most of his running and then supplemented with his passing. I know uh, I think it was the last episode or the one before I talked about how I wanted – Justin to kind of mimic those Donovan McNabb year three passing numbers where you're around, I think it was 3,200 mm-hmm. yards and then get about 75% of the rushing he had last year, which gets you over that 4,000 to like, you know, 4,200 yards. If your quarterback is giving you 4,000 yards in totality, I think you're in a pretty good place. I, th- I think that's a good call because I think I even texted you one day, probably late last week, middle of the week where I was like, if he can get to like 200 passing yards a week and like 60 to 65 rushing yards a week, I feel like you're in a good middle ground of that. I think I guess you, I don't know the exact math off the top of my head, but it's in the 4,000 range. Should he play even 15 games? And that's the thing, you know, talking to, you know, Dr. Michael Risher and all that, I know that he's a pretty solid plan for Justin for this year, but just the way Justin plays, the way the NFL is, it's not even like a Justin Fields thing. I would expect him to miss a game or two. So hence why I think 15 is, is fair to talk about. It's also um, the NFL. People miss games. Exactly. It just is what it is. Um, I'm going to take the next lowest, highest, I guess, hanging fruit in that totem pole order. And I'm going to take go with DJ Moore. <laughs> it's, I think it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, DJ Moore, right, was in 2018 as a rookie, had 788 yards. His next three years, he had over 1,000 yards. And then last year, he had 888. So he's still pretty close to 1,000. I would think about, we, we again, way before we talked about the list of quarterbacks that he's played with, none of them are great. They're, they're really not. Um, definitely no one that has, I think, as high of a ceiling as Justin Fields does, especially for the, the deep ball, what DJ Moore is going to bring to Justin in terms of that short to intermediate range where, you know, 
NFL defenses are going to take what you do best away from you. And for Justin, that's mm-hmm. running and that deep ball. So can he now dink and dunk a little bit up the field to maintain drives because he can't get that 40 yard or as many 40 yard runs, 50 yard bombs, things of that nature through the passing game. And DJ Moore is going to really help with that. So it's exactly. simple. Like, you know, if, if it's, it's, it's tied in together, we could basically could have put them at the same time. If Justin succeeds, DJ Moore is going to succeed in order for Justin to succeed, you know, vice versa, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. That's pretty much that simple. I mean, there's really, we've talked to DJ Moore and Justin at nauseam this off season. Like that's been the two things we've probably talked most about. So I, I don't know how much we can really delve into even DJ at this point without just saying things that have already been said. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm going to go again, since you got to go first. We're going to do yeah, we'll make it draft yeah. Um, I'm going to say someone that might bother you because it might be on your list. And I'm going to go with Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, again, probably pretty okay. easy, one of the biggest free agent acquisitions. But, you know, there's that whole conversation of, you know, was getting rid of Roquan appropriate, who's a better player. And that, that goes back to the draft. I remember I was a Tremaine Edmonds guy even during that draft. So, you know, maybe there's a little bias here. But Roquan may be the better player. But I think Tremaine Edmonds ultimately is a better player for this system in terms of that cover two and what he can do to limit that passing game over the top. I mean, he's just so big, so long. He definitely needs a little bit of work in terms of that run game and run defense because that hasn't necessarily been there. But I think within this defense, he can really succeed. I think he can rack up some of those numbers that would propel him to the Pro Bowl. You know, some pass deflections, some interceptions. And then when you have players like a TJ Edwards next to him that can funnel and do some, he can do some more cleanup. So my next number two for me is Jermaine Evans. So it's funny you say that because my number two is actually going to be his counterpart that they signed this offseason, TJ Edwards. Ah. Because, because of the run fit stuff and all the stuff that's going to get funneled to where he plays in the defense, which is going to be that well linebacker. He, his job is going to pl- be to play cleanup. So he's going to put up, I think, what's going to be very gaudy numbers in a perfect world, especially in the tackle numbers. Um, he did improve in coverage last year in Philadelphia. Um, I think he's actually probably a more viable candidate if you're t- talking based on just purely production and statistical breakdown to make the po- Pro Bowl as opposed to someone like Tremaine Edmonds who – we have to remember how many stats were probably taken away from Erlacher at times in his career because of having to cover that deep third from the middle linebacker position. Now it's a different league. They're not in base nearly as much as they used to be. You're going to have a lot of two linebacker sets where it's going to be him and him and TJ out there and nickel. But I would actually think, especially with the hometown boost of voting, TJ being from Carroll, not Carroll stream, Crystal Lake and being the Bears' first big acquisition this offseason and coming home and having the big payday and being as productive as he should be, I just think he's a pretty good bet to be a Pro Bowl candidate. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, and it depends on how you look at it, right? If you're looking at right. it from a numbers perspective, TJ likely would, would get that nod it's just simply from linebacker make tackles, right, if you go from that perspective. Right. If, you, exactly. if you go from potentially more of, like, what's the impact on the defense as a whole, you might lean more to Tremaine in terms of what he's going to now let sure. other people do. It depends on how simple you want to go with it. And I honestly, and whoever is doing the voting, because we know some of the people who do the voting are very uh, – watch the box scores you could say. And also there's a special place in people's hearts for certain players, especially if they're from here kind of thing. That's why like, I wouldn't, you know what? I'm not even going to get into that because I have a feeling I know who you're going to say for one of them. And I wouldn't say him, but is it my turn again? Am I picking another yeah, one? You do again, yeah. um, Tevin Jenkins. 
would oh, be that one. was my next one. You stole him. Yeah. So Kevin Jenkins um, would be the next one, I would guess, because he was a statistically and film-wise when on the field, a dominant guard. He was very, very good when he played. The question is always going to be with him, is he going to play enough to warrant going to a pro bowl? Like, can he get to – what's a fair number to say he gets to a Pro Bowl? 13 games? Can he get to 13? At least. Yeah. I was Yeah. Okay, so let's say 13 is his number. I, I don't know if he's an easy bet to say that. And now we're already getting into that murky territory of, of well, well, you might have three or four guys who are easy to say, yeah, these guys are Pro Bowl caliber players. But – it it's not that simple, especially on a team that's clearly in the at the apex of its rebuild, so to speak. Like they're just they're clearly just trying to find what's next, trying to build that the culture, as it were. Yeah, Tevin's really interesting. Like I said, he was going to be my next one for all the reasons you mm-hmm. just said. Um, I mean, if there was going to be reasons, I would say he wouldn't be if I was playing devil's advocate. It's that his pass blocking left a little bit desired last year, mm-hmm. which needs to improve. But how much of that is also having to help out Sam Mustafer and worry about who's what's happening on to your left. Um, he's doing another position change, but he did show flexibility in that. I mean, in college, he flipped left to right in, at tackle. He was able to go from tackle to guard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to go from one guard to the other, definitely is tough muscle memory-wise, but he's shown the ability to do so. One would imagine with a more solid Cody White here at center, a more solid guard opted him in, in Davis. Uh, and if he can come away, as you said, with that clean bill of health for at least 13 games, he definitely should be in the conversation. And people love a comeback story too, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. think about that. I mean, in terms of someone who was at tackle, got taken down, was potentially not even going to be on the team. Was he going to be there? Was he going to be not? Was he going to be traded? I mean, if he could come out and just dominate, people are going to love that. Exactly. All right, go ahead, Mason. <laughs> um, last one, kind of in the thought process of that comeback story for me, Pro Bowl hopeful, is Eddie Jackson. Um, I, I truly believe, especially like the position he's playing, if he was playing corner, I'd be a little more concerned with that injury he had in the foot. Um, but the fact that he's playing safety, the fact that so much of what he's done has always been based more on instincts than an actually true just strength and speed and everything. Um, plus what I've seen myself from him, I think he's ready for a big year. Another year of Jaquan Brisker getting like a little step ahead. So that's going to help him out. Uh, you're hoping that not having no offense to Kendall Vildor. I think he's actually a great like next man up corner to have, but I don't want him being my starting corner. So having, <laughs> having Tyreek Stevenson, hopefully be a bit better on the, on the outside, having Kyler Gordon another year playing only one position set of two uh, and just, just what Eddie Jackson does. Uh, he absolutely, and he's, he, people know his name. I mean, if you're going to mm-hmm. say name three Chicago bears, he's probably one of the three people are going to name sure. just because of previous, what he's done previously. So that's a big part of this too, is just name recognition. Um, there's a lot of not recognizable guys on this team currently. Um, and so I think that happened out too. Yeah, for sure. Um, my final pick for this would probably be Jalen Johnson. Didn't you already pick three? Oh, I did. Damn. Yeah. Get him out. I'm here. stupid. I can't. I can't math. Math is not my strong category. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna move on to the next category. Um, step up or step out. This one's got a little more flexibility to it um, in terms of the definition. Basically, mm-hmm. a guy that has to step up for this team is it step up in a way that you know because if he doesn't, bad things are gonna happen. Like in his tenure for the Bears, does he need to step up simply because? the bears need him to um i'm i'm letting this be a little bit more flexible 
Everyone feels the same way you do. All right? It's what you do right now that makes a difference. That was that was my club for it. So I'll start um, on this category. Actually, I'm going to use the exact person that you just talked about, Jalen Johnson. He needs to start up. And he can really cross over these two categories. But for me, I remember after, I think it was his rookie year when I was doing Chicago Audible, um, we did these like superlatives at the end of the year. And it was like someone who's the most disappointing. And I put Jalen Johnson. And and then I got like a lot of flack for that. And we've seen why consistently since then, because he just doesn't make plays on the ball. He doesn't get past breakups. He has what one interception his entire career. He's been limited by injuries, whether it's directly the, some shoulder stuff that was concerning when he first came out, or even some weird ones that have come on since um, that, that weren't directly shoulder-related. But there's just enough going on, especially for a guy that wants a contract. Obviously, that's a big thing. As of right now, of some of the guys that need a, or are looking for a contract, he's not like the first guy I think who's going to get one. I think that's probably going to be Cole Komet, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. Number two... Yeah, probably lean towards Darnell Moody. And then number three after that for me would be Jalen Johnson. Uh, he just, he needs to do more. He, he needs to make an impact on the game besides just being there, especially if he wants to get paid like a number one corner. And that's the tough thing with corners is they're similar quarterback in terms of being paid. Either you're like setting the next bar because you're kind of the next guy or you're a replacement level guy coming in. There's not really that middle, middle tier round, of, yeah. of cornerback contracts. So that's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. I- I tend to agree with you. I, I, I probably am higher on Jalen than a lot of people, but the biggest issue in my mind has always been, he seems to start off really awesome in the seasons where like he's, he plays like gangbusters the first third half of the year. And then like, he slowly starts to just come back to earth and normalize. And it's happened all three seasons of his career so far. I'm not sure why that is. It could be injuries taking their toll and just the wear and tear of the season. But that that's that for me at least is his biggest issue. Right, yeah, absolutely. But the best ability is availability, and he hasn't mm-hmm. been always available. Mm-hmm. Last year, you could also say, well, he was out near the end, and it was a lost season, so who cares? At the end, but this is not it. This this season's not should not be that. So this will be the test. So who do you got for your first one, Danny? First one, Khalil Herbert. Step in or step or step up or step out. They took a running back fairly high. When you take a running back in the fourth round of the NFL draft, you are expected to play in Roshan Johnson. And the, all the things that Khalil Herbert doesn't do well, catch the ball, block, be – I mean, he's even an efficient runner when he had, they had the chance to take carries at, in his time at Texas behind B. John Robinson. He was productive. Two of those things that I just named, Khalil Herbert cannot do. And he does not do them at all. He is not good in protection. He is not good. But boxing? Is that what he's been doing to work on? Oh, he's been doing, yeah, super. (laughs) That that was like, what was it, years ago in training camp, the Bears hired that uh, jujitsu master to, like, coach linemen with hand techniques. Like, like, who? What? I get the premise behind it, but I kind of don't care. If you were going to do that and that was something you were going to commit to for like three to five years of like getting that down, I could see it. But like having someone come in on a Saturday morning is, is not it. <laughs> so uh, he's my he's my easy like he's going to get carries because he is a highly effective runner of the football. But I, I think his time as the quote unquote starter 
might be very, very limited because of all the things he can't do and the Bears, all the things that Roshan can do. The Bears' job is to, as in terms of coaching, is to win games for, the, for mm-hmm. this year. And if they ultimately decide that the best way to win games is to either A, ride the hot hand, B, be multiple as much as possible, which Roshan does, right? Because you're in a run play and now you audible out to a pass play. I'd much rather have Roshan out there at this point in time in terms of what in theory he can do for pass blocking or running routes. Or even C, just pure, yeah, we're going to split the carries a third, a third, a third. All three of those things are going to limit ultimately what Khalil Herbert is going to do. And I love Khalil Herbert. I was, you know, captain of the juice train. Uh, I still am. I think he's fantastic. He he's got that explosiveness, but that's not your usually your RB one. That's usually your change of pace back. I mean, look at the Cowboys, what they did with Zeke and Pollard. Pollard really never took over until Zeke kind of made him t- take over. Like that, it wasn't it, there was a difference there. So mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. Who is your second one? Um, uh, second one is tough because y- you almost wanna just say. Like Luke, like Lucas Patrick or Cody Whitehair because you don't know who the starting center is. But that's not where I'm leaning. I'm actually leaning towards Justin Jones hmm. because he is your quote-unquote starting three technique at this moment. But they just took two penetrating defensive tackles back-to-back in this draft with Zach Pickens and Gervon, De- Gervon Dexter. Now, do I think they envision Gervon Dexter as a three technique? No, I still don't. I think they envision him more as a nose tackle, one tack, whatever you want, however you want to phrase it. At a certain point, these are just technique names for the sake of coaches having to differentiate everybody. But and I think Justin Jones was a good football player last year on a on a line that didn't have anything, especially after they traded away Robert Quinn. And then they traded away Roquan Smith, who was, I believe, finished tied for third or fourth on the team in sacks, and he was only on the team half the year. Like, he played admirably, but he just – he needs – he's on the, in the final year of his deal. So if he wants to stay here or cash in big for a new team, he's got to step up. And if he doesn't, he's going to have Pickens or whoever it might be, not just breathing down his neck, but just ready to take his job. So that, that's where my mind goes, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of not as much team success, but even just himself in terms of role yeah. on the team more so. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next one is not in the, really the step out portion. It's more the step up portion. And for me, that's going to be DeMarcus Walker. Now, it's not necessarily fair to say to a guy who literally just got here and from everything that we've heard from coaches <laughs> and players, but also what we what I've seen with, on some of Instagram stuff and Twitter and like with the work he's putting in, it looks like he's I mean, he's doing everything that you're, you need him to do and we haven't seen him play a snap yet. But because of more so what the Bears have done around him or arguably lack thereof around him, it, his presence, you're going to ask ask a bit more of him. He needs to step up there because mm-hmm. I think even Flew said that he's going to be outside more in the early downs and then bump in as a you know interior pass rusher. And they'll flip that around too. It's not going to always be that way. But I think they're going to expect and hope that he can create a good amount of pressure. Uh, and if he can't, because they haven't really they've done nothing in terms of the edge, I still think there's going to be a veteran that comes at some point, or at least you hope there is. 
but you're otherwise you're looking at a pretty barren cupboard in terms of your you know Dominic Robinson, uh, in terms of your Travis Gibson, things of that nature. So Demarcus Walker unfortunately has to really step up before he's even played a regular season snap. Mm-hmm. Tough scene. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to keep that train going, and I'm just going to go right into Travis Gibson. Uh, if you're going to have your celebration be the hammer, a Thor's hammer, you better be consistently getting sacks. Uh, he started off okay last year, and then as soon as players started leaving uh, in trades and stuff, I mean, he just disappeared. You know, it, it, you need to create some pressure, dude. Like, I, he just was gone for most of last year. Uh, and it's one of those positions where you can still operate as an edge player and still, even if the rest of your defense is just trash, he wasn't winning even one-on-ones. It wasn't like he was getting double teamed a ton. It wasn't like there was some crazy, you know, stunts that he was and things like that. He just wasn't winning. He needs to win. Simple as that. Yeah. It's hard to argue with you on that just because, and this is going to be really, he's the lead defensive end right now on this team. Really? I just default. <laughs> like, I know they decided to Marcus Walker and DeMarcus Walker had what seven sacks last year, but you're talking about continuity and time in this roster and time in this locker room. It's his, that's his unit, the defensive ends. Like that's not meant to make you feel good, but it's the truth. It it, is just, it sucks. It's that's the situation that, that, that they've created for themselves. But at the same time, I'm not really sure what else the bears in total were supposed to do. You know, look at the pass rushers available in free agency there's really weren't any and most of the ones were going to have more heavily to contenders. Uh, I don't think the money was necessarily a problem there. And then draft wise, a lot of the top guys got taken before they got to pick again in mm-hmm. the second. So, but I mean, you're, I don't sure. know what you really wanted them to do. Not you, but colloquially. No, no, just, yeah, I know what you meant. The, the, the universal you. <laughs> um, who is your last step up player? Uh, Chase. Uh, fairly or unfairly, he's got expectations on him. They just pay, traded what could be "quote unquote" equated to a first-round pick for a guy who struggled mightily or was hurt when he did get here. And for better or for worse, I personally put stock into the fact that if the Steelers give up on you, there's a problem because the Steelers don't give up on anybody unless there's really, really bad reasons to. It means they don't trust you. They don't believe that you're going to fulfill that potential. I don't know what the expectation for him should be because the, the draft compensation they gave up says he should be your legitimate two ahead of Darnell Mooney. The, the measurables, the athletic gifts that he has, he is literally one of three ever to be what he is. That 6'5", 250 or 40 pound plus guy running a sub 4'4". But he, they don't make people like him. But for some reason, he just – he peaked his first 12 games as a rookie. And then you have rumblings who have come out through places like Tavares blog or whatever it might be saying that there's people in that building already just kind of tired of him. Like you've been here less than a year. How are people already getting tired of you already? Like I, I want him to be good. I liked Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame because of all the aforementioned things. But he's got a long way to go in terms of he's missing time already with soft tissue issues, I believe is what it is, which is always bodes well for a receiver whose best attribute, especially when you 
don't play to your size is speed. And you already have to, you're already behind the eight ball in terms of chemistry with the quarterback. Like, I just think, especially because he's got to get paid. He's coming into the offseason after this following season as a free agent. He wants money. Yeah, I mean, you, you are going to have to wonder to an extent. Let's say he balls out, whatever that definition is. Like, I'm, It's yeah. hard to put numbers on that because I think in general the Bears' offense is going to be kind of capped in the passing game to an extent. Just they oh, they're going to be – they're, they're going to be as – much of a quote-unquote run-first team in 2023 as you possibly, as you possibly can, can. And then you layer yeah. on DJ Moore, especially with what we're, what we're hearing out of, you know, minicamp in terms of, like, Justin just pinging him the ball. Um, you take that, you have Darnell, you're going to have Cole Komet, you're going to have Robert Tanyan. There's a lot of mouths to feed. I, to, to put a number on Chase in terms of impact, I don't think is right. It's more about a feel. It's like if you walk, you should feel him in the game, and then that's going to be a little different. Um, and I'm saying let's say, let's say he does all... that, if he's sure. able to do that, what what do you do with that? Because that's one year of production that you consider to be good. Do you now pay him? And then was it just simply a motivation because he needed a contract? And does that motivation crash once he gets the contract? But do you but do you also want my honest opinion? Say he quote unquote does his version of balling out in the Alan Lazard role that we've heard him be being put into in this offense. I think they'd be more inclined to extend him than they would be to Mooney. Because I think body Type-wise, like you talked about, and role-wise, that's harder to find. And you might have a Darnell Mooney replacement in, and they, Tyler, in Tyler Scott. And they also just don't – they don't have an investment in Mooney other than the fact that Justin's his friend. They didn't draft him. And plus, even <laughs> they, if they did draft him, he was a late-round pick. Yeah. like, they, And they effectively just spent the highest second-round pick on a guy to be here. Like I can see it. I, I'm not I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm very irritated by the whole move still as I was at the time. And I want to try to give him a fair shake, but there's so much working against him that he really, really needs to be the hyper athletic Alan Lazard and not just well, he got you four hundred yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick before we move on to our last category. Another fun ad read, but this one's a shameless self-plug. You know, I mentioned last show that I'm now the clinic director at Ignite Physical Therapy and Sports Performance in the West Loop of Chicago. At Ignite, the goal is to collaborate. Oh, also, here's the picture of it. There you go. Didn't do that. Uh, is to collaborate with physical therapy, <laughs> return to sport, rehab and strength, conditioning, body comp, nutrition counseling, personal training, small group fitness, and youth and elite athletic development programming. That's a mouthful. I plan to emphasize being proactive with all my patients and athletes, not reactive like most PT clinics. We do one-on-one treatment for a full hour. You never get doubled. You never get handed off to a tech or an aide. And a variety of techniques are used. Dry needling, cupping, active release, melded into neuromuscular control and strength demands for your sport. Football, wrestling, weightlifting, jujitsu, ballet, the list goes on. Then there's finally an implementation of advanced equipment such as blood flow restriction training, Kaiser systems, Vertimax jump and speed systems, blaze pods, and a lot more. So if you want to set up a time, just give a call, 815-762-0225. You can also text that number or email me, mason at ignitesptsp.com. Shameless plug, done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our la- uh, second to last category. Uh, we are, we're going to have like, a fun bonus one later. But this one is our dead man walking category. Again, a little flexibility with it. You know, Is this a player that it's an important player that may not be here next year? Or is it just someone that at the end of the day, we just truly believe just isn't going to be here for whatever particular Get reason? Out of my face! Get out! Let me know what that's from. Is that Blue Mountain State? Yeah, it is. That was one of my favorite yeah. shows. I, I loved that show. So good. The movie, not great, but glad they made it. <laughs> Wasn't um, so why don't you start on this one? <sighs> Get out. Cody Whitehair comes to mind, where he's probably penciled in to be your starting center at this point, but once he's done this year, it's kind of over with. Unless he plays at some insanely high level and doesn't miss a significant chunk of the season again. Like, I think it's probably his last year in Chicago. And he's had a good run as a bear. He really has. Like, he had a couple of down years, but he also had some time where he looked like a pro bowler. He Hell, he looked great last year until he came back from that injury, and he just didn't look the same. He's an interesting one because I could literally pencil him. I, I have him written down here too as an option. Um, and he's like the person that was penciled in every single offseason. Anytime, you know, Bears fans, Twitter, podcast, whatever, talked about like, okay, well, do you cut Cody White here and save as a post-June and save X amount of money? Like his name was always there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see that. I could also see like, let's say he just is solid this year. Like he just takes the center position and you don't worry about it all year. And that's what really what an offensive lineman should be. You don't notice that. If you don't mm-hmm. notice Cody Whitehair, I could see them being like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. We're going to draft someone, but like, let's just keep them around a little bit longer as this other person, whoever that might be, a second, third round pick, uh, kind of grows a little bit. I mm-hmm. can see that too. But so, but I had him written down. Yeah, that's just where my mind went. Um, mine, I'll go the opposite center, Lucas Patrick. Um, by all reports, he has been the consummate professional. Uh, so far through this offseason and even last year, you know, talking with guys, coaching them up, you know, being that player coach, helping out in meetings, you know, doing everything you're supposed to do. But at the end of the day, you were brought in to be the starting center. And whether it was your fault or not, you got hurt. You didn't play well. You got five total snaps at center uh, in one game. And you, it just might be done, man. Like, it's not your fault, but. I would hope at some point you are, you're getting someone else in that pipeline to potentially be uh, to be your center because Cody Whitehair is getting older. So even if he plays well, you, you're going to need someone to develop. Do you really, do you really need to carry him? And the answer may or may not be no. Sure. All right. All right. Number two, this one pains me. I don't, I'm only saying it because again, this is a possibility. I don't think it's likely there's a difference. It's a possibility that Valus Jones Damn it. did not make it, <laughs> made the final 53. I was between Valus and, and Cody Whitehair when I when I said Cody. And Damn it. 
he he showed a lot of growth last year. And it was funny, like the first half of the year, even every time he touched the ball, it was either a first down or, or a touchdown. And that's you got to give him credit for that. And then he had a couple of plays, you know, that one long bomb near the end of the year. Was it the Bills game? I can't remember which one that was in. Um, and so it, and there's a but again, pecking order. Now you, you have DJ Moore, you have Darnell Mooney, you have Chase Claypool. You know, Equinemia St. Brown's going to be there. You know, as you start to get now to that fifth, sixth potentially wide receiver, you better bring special teams. There's reports that he's, you know, back to trying to catch punts. Are they going to trust him to do that? Is he only, you can't keep someone on your roster who's only going to be, you know, a end around flop, occasional fly, and then a kick return guy. You just can't do it. So there is a chance that he doesn't make the final 53. I don't think it's as likely. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to be on the final 53. And, but, you know, there is a chance he doesn't make it. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without sounding like. <laughs> because he's meant so much to the team over the course of his tenure, especially in the double link year. Um, I think Eddie Jackson could potentially be dead man walking. Wow. He'll play out the year, but. He's expensive. He's older. Does he matter when they're good again? Injury problems, like you're gonna that, get attacked. Not I, like not even unjustifiably, but you're gonna get attacked. Like do, but is what I'm saying wrong? <laughs> no, that's the point. Like that's the NFL. Like look at the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. I, I, I've used him now twice, but like how mm-hmm. important and was Zeke to he was him and Dak. That was the Cowboys for years. And then sure. they were like, goodbye. <laughs> you know, it's just the NFL. And, and I'm sure people listening and you hearing me say that, you you kind of had to know where I was going when I was building up to it. Like, I think he's got a year left on his deal after this year, and he's at 16 or so million dollars a year, consistently injured. I think he's on the wrong side of 30 now because he was a an older draft pick when he was picked coming out of Alabama. Like – there's a lot of things working against him. And the question will always come back to, does this player matter when they're ready to be good again? And the that answer with Eddie is, I don't think so. Yeah, but, unless, he, unless he pulls an Aaron Rodgers and has just like an amazing year, you know, if he just has not even an average one, it's like, I can see that happening for sure. Yeah, it, it pains me to say because I like Eddie, despite the issues I've had with him in the past. You know, the lack of physicality and then the whole I don't get paid to tackle thing. Well, you weren't getting paid to turn the ball over either because you didn't have any turnovers there for a while. Like, it, he's, an, he's an enigma, but he was a really good bear and he had a really good career, especially considering where he was taken. But I think – if I'm being honest with myself and my thoughts at this point in time, this might be his last year as a bear. Which is tough, right? Um, like you said, especially how dynamic he was that 2018 year. Um, I'm going to go with someone that you had in the previous category with Justin Jones for pretty much mm-hmm. all the reasons you said. But, you know, if you get a lot out of Pickens and Dexter, even if you think that, you know, there, there's a little bit there, there is a chance that the Bears just move on. That, that, you, you, that's the thing that's tough though about 
the interior line, you need a big rotation of guys. Um, you, you do need someone coming constantly. And that was something that they talked about with both Dexter and Pickens anyway, was they were playing a lot of snaps in college. So if they could reduce that and have them be a little more explosive on a snap to snap basis, that'd be helpful. So, mm-hmm. he, so he's good in that, you know, kind of second, third role in the rotation, but do you go out and get another person? Do you draft someone else? Do you just need to make a little cut here or there? Justin Jones could be the guy. Sure. Uh, that was one two for me, right? No, I did yeah, three. yeah. I did three. Oh, do I have one more? I did Valus, Justin Jones. Oh, two Joneses. That's sad. And Lucas Patrick. You did Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair. Eddie. Eddie. So you have one more. Hmm. Oh, this is this is tough because there's. I don't feel like there's that many. Like my mind kind of went to the other receiver kind of on the bubble with with uh with Valus and that was Dante Pettis. That's where my mind immediately kind of went. Um if but I, I kind of avoided it because it felt easy. Like you're talking about the guy who'd be the fifth or sixth receiver on the roster. Was was he a staple last year for better or worse? Yeah, or worse? yeah for better or for worse, yeah. It was so, something like I don't think that's crazy to have that conversation of you, right. you might not you're, whether it's even this year, but definitely, but definitely going next year. Are next you year, be? yeah. So, I mean, he's got returnability. How good is that returnability? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he catches it. He, ca- he catches the punts. That's cool. <laughs> a couple steps forward, step out of bounds. Yeah. Um, like it really feels like it's almost a roster battle between him and Velas, and it's and it it's tough because it's like the front office has a attachment to Velas because they took him so high. That being said, the quarterback probably has the attachment to the other guy. To Pettis, yeah, I think so. He had a better connection with Pettis. I think that was out of need more so uh, than like because he like loved the dude. But they're like the same age. Like, what? I mean, yeah, you're probably yeah. But I'm just saying, I don't know. Like, we know Darnell Mooney is besties with Justin, so like that could get him a contract if they were like on the, the fence of like who do we bring back? I don't know that like Dante Pettis and Justin were hanging out on the weekends. Like, oh, yeah. they weren't hitting up River, River North together. We're no, just hanging I, out. I very much doubt that. <laughs> I, I was saying like on field connection and like what it was it a third of a third of Dante's catches last year for touchdowns. Like he might have only had nine or ten catches, but. Remember the you one know. that was just wide open too? Wasn't that in the 49ers game? Oh yeah, like, where he's scrambling left and throws all the way back right. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, oh god. Okay, sure. Fine, they're besties and they have a great on-field connection. No one said that. Oh my god. Okay, so I hate it here. Uh, last category, wild card. This was kind of fun. Um, we both got to pick and like name the category. And then attribute, attribute, there you go. Attribute a player to that category. Wait. Break break no, I'm saying, no, the brakes. Guys, why aren't the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes. Wild card, bitches. Yeah. 
the only reason I have the other three videos is because I wanted this video and I thought it'd be weird to have a one. So like the fact I'm just happy it makes me very happy. Sure. <laughs> Why not Mason? Go off. <laughs> Come on. Always sunny is a great show. Oh, it's fantastic. Actually, uh, on a completely semi unrelated note, my wife and I just started watching the docuseries Welcome to Wrexham with with Ryan Reynolds and Rod McElhaney in it. Oh, how is that? I want to watch that. You know what? It's enjoyable. Hmm. It's really nice. It's it's a feel good story. Very cool. We're about um, four episodes. It's on my list. I have a lot. I have too many things I'm watching right now. It's it's really annoying. Yeah. Um, so what is your wild cat wild card category and who is the player for that category? I'm trying to think how to phrase this. The the potential breakout star you weren't expecting kind of thing, but it's like he's not a huge I guess some people are expecting it, but I I legitimately believe Roshan Johnson could have a profound impact on this offense. Like just the He's going to get carries. He's going to block. He's going to catch passes. And he's going to matter a lot, I think, especially in ways that aren't quantifiable, like the way that David Montgomery was, where people are going to gravitate towards him. And he's going to, in a way, be a leader of this team, even as a rookie. Like, I I don't know like what the category is because like, I don't think he's going to make a Pro Bowl because there's a lot of good running backs in the NFC. But I just think he he might surprise you and even how high he finishes maybe in rookie of the year voting. Hey, you're like, talking – do you remember where I drafted him in our dynasty league? Yeah, like in the top seven or something like that, I did. wasn't it? The yeah. top seven. And to explain myself real quick, I took Anthony Richardson first and I took Roshan in back-to-back picks. The reason I did that was because I wasn't convinced I could get back at the end of the first round because people in our league are hard to trade with. It's a whole other side thing. I just It just worked out that way. Um, but the reason I took him is for everything that Danny just said. You know, he's I just think he's going to be on the field a lot. He's going to do a lot of those little things. He's going to get that little catch for five yards and he's going to do that multiple times in a game. So if you're in PPR and dynasty wise, that's going to be very helpful. Um, he's going to run up, be better run a wildcat or two, which I think is just going to be kind of fun. I don't know how successful it'll be, but it'll be fun. I just, I, maybe it's just the former player, the, the, the former coach, the coach or whatever. I believe in like the little locker room stuff and like the stuff you can't quantify especially in this sport where it's just a war of attrition. like, And he just loves football. And then I had a friend of mine who's got connections to the Texas boosters of who was saying to me that everyone of course was happy for, for Bijan Robinson getting drafted, but the guy, everyone in Arlington was ecstatic for was Roshan Johnson. He's like, yeah, it, it's so stupid to like try to attribute that and like quantify that, but it matters to some regard. And it just, I think a lot of times those guys, it's like the heat culture thing. How did the heat reach the finals with a bunch of dudes who didn't get drafted? Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, and Max Strews, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's because there's an it factor that you can't physically just say, this is the number. This is what they do. 
Like, and I think he's got some of that it factor to him. Yeah. I'm really glad that we got a little Roshan talk in this because, I mean, that's probably outside of Justin and DJ Moore, the person I'm the most excited to watch next year in terms of how they – Same. What, what they do. Um, so I, I love Roshan Johnson, and I think he's going to do great things. A lot of smart analysts also think that. So that the fact that we're aligned on that makes me quite happy. Sure. Um, so my category is titled – Yes, but if they know I know they know, they may do X instead. But what if they know more than they? I think they know. They could be acting like they only know that I know they know, when in fact they know that I know they know, know they know. I think you just broke my brain. And that is the point of that topic because I'm putting Luke Getze in this conversation because there's multiple times I've oh, for the love my of brain. <laughs> Look, there, I get it. I understand that if you're a chef and you're giving not good ingredients, even crap. It's hard to make a five-star meal. I get it. But at the same time, there were enough decisions within that season last year that I don't like it. So, like, one that comes to mind specifically, I'm going to reference that game I talked about previously. Justin throws a beautiful deep bomb to Velas Jones along the right side. Velas makes the catch. Highlight. Fantastic. What do they do? They do three runs in a row. Why? Like, that, that just doesn't – you were able to throw the ball the play before – you used one of your receivers to play the three plays before, and then you go run, run, run. You didn't let Justin roll out. You didn't use Justin's legs. You just handed the ball off three times. Things like that happened throughout the year last year. So again, I don't know who Luke Getzey is. I don't know if he is, again, the chef that has a lot of skill but was given some really bad ingredients, and he was just like, you know what? I, I just don't want my quarterback to get killed, or I don't want us to get blown out. We're just going we're gonna to do this. Or is he something else where it's like there's a little bit of like – like, just what do you do? Like, you know, there's actually some bad play calling. Or it's a little bit of both. So I need the confusion to be taken out of this. I need to know who Luke Getzey is as a play caller. And the problem with that, too, is if it all of a sudden goes the other way, where all the, you know, the Bears are looking like a top 15 to 10 offense for some reason, he's now gone. Like, you're getting a head coaching job if you can take this team and you can make them a top 10 offense, um, which sucks. So you're hoping that trickles down to whoever your next offense coordinators but i need to know i have no idea the way you described it did you ever watch the princess by brad as kid yeah. growing up it's uh like when him and uh an eagle montoya start uh exchanging the wines yeah <laughs> like like to that's fair, the- that wasn't an eagle montoya but i'll let it slide whatever I haven't seen the movie in 15 Inigo years. Montoya is the, the, the sword guy. The sword guy, yeah. Sorry. I haven't seen the movie in a decade and a half. Can you cut me some slack? Stop watching the NBA draft and start watching Princess Bride. I can't. I have to see what the Bulls aren't going to do so I can get mad at it. That's, that's fair. But essentially, yeah, I mean that. But besides having the wrong person, you are correct. <laughs> It's a great scene, actually, though. <laughs> great movie overall. Um, yeah. But that's it. That's our show for today. Um, hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. Again, something just a little more chill, just trying to figure out where things lie. Um, I think it's important to do this every once in a while and take stock. A, because right now there's no news to talk about, and a lot of crazy things get said and put out there for the NFL right now. Focus on what you can focus on, which is the players that you have and the potential that they have, instead of focusing on a bunch of doo-doo that's floating around out there um and just enjoy this time because once training camp hits it's gonna be you know the nfl season's fast there's only 17 
20 if you count the preseason of these games. Enjoy. Um, Yeah, that's all we got for today. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Danny, any closing words? Um, I hope the Bulls do something. (laughs) Yeah, we know. There's no points. But yeah, that's it. Bear down. Bye.